That's my God she's singing about. Let me say with Brother Keith, Sister Ann Bailey, we're glad to have you back. And Brother Greg, he's been through the, the fire too. Sister Sharon Sewell, I don't know where she's at today, but uh, we're glad to have her smiling face back. Now, it's been a tough week because her husband uh, passed away this week, but uh, God's going to take her through, and he's going to help her there too. I do concur. Um, we're glad to have Adam back. Uh, he don't like attention called to himself, so don't look over at him. Just... Uh, <laughs> But we're glad to have him back, and his family's glad to have him back. I'm thankful for all of our military and all those that are uh, fighting. <clears throat> yeah. Amen. Those who have served, those who are serving now, and those who will serve, we're very appreciative. We've got, if you've got your Bible, book of Ecclesiastes, we're going through there. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. God and God's, ti God's time and, and timing is the title for this probably one of the more familiar passages in Ecclesiastes. Let's read it together, verses 1 through 8, please. To everything there's a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to <coughs> hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Before we get into the Word, I'll just remind you, in case I forget, Brother Chester's going to be speaking tonight. We appreciate him and Brother Melvin helping me and Keith and uh, using their gift and what God called them to do. So uh, we give them a chance every, every chance we get. Uh, so for a TV program to last five years, it's considered a hit. If a TV program goes on for eight years, it's a classic. Now, Gunsmoke went on for 20 years. Uh, unfortunately, The Simpsons has been on for 33 years. But the king of all was a soap opera just up until 2022, I think it was. Days of Our Lives was on for 57 straight years. <laughs> Man, uh, I've never watched a soap opera, uh, but my grandmother loved them. And when we were growing up, we'd go to her place. She's going to watch those soap operas, whether it's The Guiding Light, As the World Turns, The Edge of Night, and all these different ones. But the days of our lives, it, it always started off like sands 
through the hourglass. So are the days of our lives. If you've watched every episode of Days of Our Lives, you've wasted, I mean, you've watched 14,000 hours of that. Now, Solomon's going to give us a picture of the days of our lives today and what life is all about. The ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, the mountains, the valleys, the, the joy, the sorrow. Uh, he's going to look at both sides and all sides of it. Our time on this earth. Somebody said this, time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. And once you've lost it, you can't get it back. The greatest gift you can give someone is your time because you're giving a piece of yourself that you can't get back. Somebody said this, there's never enough time to do everything but there's always enough time to do the important things. I remember growing up as a child, speaking of television, we used to have to turn our antenna. At times we had to do it by hand to pick up the one or th about three channels, and they were half the time they were rolling and, and foggy and, and all you couldn't hardly make out what it was. But, and then we came to remote control. That's a wonderful invention. Can you imagine if you had a hundred and something channels, you had to go up there and sit down and change it every time you want to do it? You'd get some exercise anyway. But the thing that I like the best about television now is not even remote control or not high definition. That's all great. But it's DVR. I can tape what I want to see, and I can skip commercials. I don't watch a commercial anymore. Thank God I'm free of commercials. Uh, and I found out in a one-hour presentation of 60 minutes, if you're watching something that lasts 60 minutes, 40 minutes is the show and 20 minutes. One-third of it is commercial. It's, it's terrible. So with a DVR, I can go back in time. If, if I tape a football game and Florida lost, I don't even have to watch it. <laughs> if, they, if they won, then I can watch it and not fuss. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. Listen to this poem right here. The, the clock of life is wound but once. And no man has the power to tell just when the hands will stop at late or early hour. To lose one's wealth is sad indeed. To lose one's health is more. To lose one's soul is such a loss that no man can restore. I read that little poem, and while I read it, over 30 people died and went out into eternity. Time ran out on this earth for somebody. There are about 6,400 people that time runs out each hour. The preacher, Solomon, who identified himself in the Ecclesiastes as the preacher, we're going to look at the subject of time and the subject of our life. The word time is mentioned 31 times in this one chapter, so we can pretty much tell what he's wanting to get across. This is probably one of the most familiar chapters in the Bible of Ecclesiastes, in the book of Ecclesiastes. When I was growing up in 1965, I was nine years old, there was a singing group called The Birds. The Birds had two number one hits. One was called Mr. Tambourine Man. Everybody remember that? Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man. The second was called Turn, Turn, Turn. And it was this scripture right here, verse 1. It says, it went like this, for every season, turn, turn, turn. There is a reason, turn, 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 and a time to every purpose under heaven. I don't think any rock groups are singing Bible verses today. I may be wrong on that. But that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, I'm going to use 14 different 
Usually I use two, three points. Today it's 14. And you say, if you use three points and we'll go in here for 45 minutes, <laughs> we'll be getting out around 4 o'clock today. Anyway, I'm not going to do that. We're going to cut them quick. But we're going to look at God's timing in our lives. Now, man is a unique creation. He is different than the animal kingdom. Even though evolution tries to say we're just an animal that's evolved and all this. I read an article that listed all the differences between humans and animals. Now, this doesn't apply for every animal, but, but, but it had a long list. But I'm just going to read you some of them without giving you a lot of commentary. One is our speech, our ability to communicate and express ideas and thoughts. One is our brains. We don't have the largest brain, like there's whales and stuff have large brains. But 80% of our brain, of human brains, made up of an overdeveloped cerebral cortex, which is where your ability to rationalize, design, calculate, and all this comes from. Humans have the ability to blush. No other animal has the ability to blush, which shows our emotional makeup. Humans have long childhoods. Most animals, uh, humans take a lot longer to mature. Most animals mature rather quickly. Humans take, some, some people, 50 years and they ain't mature. Uh, humans have a lot longer life after childbearing. Most in the animal kingdom, once they are beyond their childbearing years, they die pretty quickly. Humans, we live almost half our life because God wants grandparents and great-grandparents to have an impact on each generation too. But there's a lot of differences. Now, Paul's going to mention 14 specific events about life. Good times, bad times. Dreams realized, dreams crushed. Alistair Begg, a preacher, said this. This is kind of a little bit negative. But he said, the great absurdity of life is seen that every activity cancels out the other one. There are 14 pluses or positive things that he mentions here and 14 negative or minuses. He said, you take 14 positives and 14 minus, it comes out to zero. He said, for every birth, it ends in death. Every crop that's planted is end up being pulled up eventually. Every building eventually is condemned. Every celebration gives way to a funeral. And every peace gives way to another war. It all ends in zero, nothing gained. Somebody said, the roaring 20s was a big part of our life, followed by the Great Depression. A lot of people think life is made up of cycles, good and bad. It's just swings, the pendulum swings back and forth. But I'm going to remind you, Paul's looking at life under the sun. And that's basically how life looks to those who don't have a real relationship with God. If you look at it from man's perspective instead of an eternal or God's perspective. So let's look at it. We're going to go through these things. Some of them I'm just going to hit quickly, and some I'll spend a little more time. But he says in verse 2, First part of verse 2, there's a time to be born and a time to die. Now, we're living in a country in a time when it seems like God's not in control of who's born. We have abortion that kills babies. We have birth control that eliminates who we don't want, who we don't want to bring children in the world. So it seems like man controls who's born more than God. But God's still in control in so many different ways that we can't even comprehend. Uh, he's control, in control of life. He's in control of death. Here's what Job said in Job 14, 5. Since his days are determined, he's talking about man, the number of his months is with you, talking about God. You have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. 
One of the things that Jesus said often in his ministry was, my hour has not yet come. And then when you come to John chapter 13, when he's in an upper room with having the Passover and all, he says this to him, my hour has come. He knew his time on earth, what he was here for, was over, about over, just a matter of hours, really. Uh, and he said, my time has come. He understood that. Uh, I was looking this up. Life expectancy from about 1,200 on up till really about 1,900 was in the upper 30s to the 40s. That's how long people lived. Then medication and getting rid of some plagues and different things like that. Today, if you're born, a man's supposed to live, uh, his longevity is about 81.4 years. Women, 84.8. Women live about four or five years longer than men. That's because men have a lot harder life than women. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> I figured that'd ruffle somebody's feather. Uh, now, here's a question a lot of people have. Is there a certain time that you've got on this earth and ain't nothing you can do about it? When it's your time, it's your time, and nothing, man can't do anything about it. I don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible teaches that, and I'm going to tell you why. There are some things you can do to lengthen your life. There's some things you can do to shorten your life. Here's what it says. Let's look at lengthening it. Fear the Lord. You fear the Lord, you'll lengthen your life. He says in Proverbs 10, 27, The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Honor your parents. Ephesians 6, 2 and 3, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Obey the commandments. Deuteronomy 4, 40. Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land of the Lord your the God gives you for all time. Uh, and there's a lot of things besides eating right and things that you can help extend your life possibly, living in obedience to God. But there's some things you can do to shorten your life too. Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 10, 13 and 14. Saul died because this is given a... Uh, the history of Saul. Now we know how he died in battle. He fell on his own sword. But here's what it says in 1 Chronicles 10, 13, and 14. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. Now we know God didn't sit down there and kill Saul. We, we see how lived out, but it, it, that was the reason his ministry and his life and his kingdom cut short. 1 Corinthians 11, let's get into the New Testament, talking about communion. 1 Corinthians 11, 29 through 32. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this cause, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we're disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So in other words, some people left this world early out of judgment. So, he said there's a time to be born and a time to die. Yes, time's in God's hands. But God does give in our free will. We have a way we can extend our life or we can cut our life short uh, if we're not careful. Plant and pluck up. The second part of verse 2, there's a time to plant and there's a time to pluck up that which is planted. Now, Israel was an agricultural society and a, a civilization. 
I've been around farmers a lot uh, at the farm supply store. Most farmers know when they want to plant. They may not be able to plant that exact day because of weather or something, but they know when they want to get their seed in the ground, and they know roughly when it's going to be about harvest time. Now, to plant something, to get a seed to germinate, you've got to have three things or it won't germinate. You've got to have moisture. You plant a seed in powder, dry powder, it won't ever, it won't ever come up. That's why you have to, the soil needs to be moist or you've got to water it or hopefully rain it or rain on it or whatever. But the moisture helps it to germinate. Number two, it's got to have heat to germinate. You, anybody that plants gardens or, or you notice when it's cold, the nights are cold, nothing grows or nothing comes up, it's got to have heat to make the seed germinate. And if it's really cold, it'll, it'll sit there in the ground for a long time. It's got to have heat. Uh, if, if you've got a yard, and I've noticed I've got a lot of crabgrass in my yard, if you want to spray a pre-emergent herbicide to keep the crabgrass from coming up, crabgrass is going to germinate when it gets to be about 60 to 65 degrees to ground temperature. So you've got to put your herbicide out. My wife hates me to talk about stuff like this because she hates chemicals. But you put out your herbicide, you better put it out February or at least the 1st of March. Or you won't, you're, it's already germinated. And one crabgrass can put out over 200,000 seeds. I don't know why I got off into that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to charge for any of that. Uh, and the third thing a seed's got to have is light. Everybody here knows when you, you look at your yard or something and under the shade, it doesn't grow very well. It's not getting enough light for photosynthesis. And, uh, and, and we all know this, whenever it gets late in the year, when the days get shorter, or early in the year when it's shorter, you don't have to mow as much and all, the growing season's shortening because the days, there's not enough light, and so the growth is not happening. So a seed's got to have those three things to germinate. Here's what he's talking about here. That's part of life. There's a cycle to life. There's a time to plant. There's a time to harvest. That's part of life. You can't rush it. It's just, that's just the way it is. Third thing, he says, there's a time to kill and a time to heal. Okay. Now, he just got through talking about there's a time to be born and a time to die. Why is he talking about, again, a time to kill and a time to heal? Well, it's probably talking about something different here. There's a lot of things that take people's lives. It could be disasters, accidents, uh, you know, all kinds of things that uh, kill people. Uh, we live in a world that is under the God of this world. It's a sin-cursed world. A lot of people blame God for all the things that happen. You need to blame the enemy. And so we're living in that type of civilization. That's part of life. There's, there's death and there's healing also. If you think human life is brutal, you ought to look at the animal kingdom. Now, that's a brutal life. I mean, it's die, it's, it's eat or be eaten. It's survival of the fittest. Watch a deer or something eat. They can't take a bite without looking at it here, a twig crack. They're having to watch what's coming after them. Can you imagine if you went home today at lunch and every bite you took, you had to look around and see if somebody's going to kill you? That'd be a miserable life. The old, the old African proverb said, every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up. He knows he must outrun the fastest line or he'll be killed. Every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up. He knows he's got to outrun the slowest gazelle or he'll starve to death. So it doesn't matter if you're a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. And that's the way it is. There's a time to, 
kill, and heal. Uh, the, the sad part about humanity is people kill not to survive. They kill out of anger or out of lust or to steal or whatever it may be. There's a time to break down and a time to build up, it says in verse 3. If you watch HGTV or the DIY network about homes and things like that, you see one of the most popular shows is remodeling. They'll tear, tear out walls and tear things apart and put it in a new floor or whatever. You're tearing down things and you're building things up. That's a part of life. We're constantly having to tear down things that are outdated or not used anymore and build up new things. That's, that's part of the life cycle for all of us. It's full of stops and starts. There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. Now, there's a lot of things that science and medicine, they don't quite understand about what we face as humans. Now, they, they may have a medical term for some of this. Have you ever thought a bit about this right here? Uh, why are certain things that stop hiccups and certain don't? You know, you used to drink water or scare somebody or whatever it may do. Or, or what, when somebody yawns, it makes you want to yawn. Some of y'all are yawning in here now. Uh, anyway, uh, there's a lot of things we don't understand. Some people can sleep four or five hours a day and they're ready to go. Some people need eight or nine or ten hours. Why do we laugh? Why do we cry? He's talking about weeping and laughing here. Now, it's really strange. Some people weep a lot. Some people weep at a, looking at their child in a play. They weep at a birthday party. They weep at the national anthem. They weep here and they weep there. And some people don't ever cry. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You watch football players. You can take a 240-pound linebacker that's played for 20 years in the NFL, and he's, he's played with broken bones, uh, sprained bones, dislocated this and that. He's played with concussions. He's played in frigid temperature. He's played all kinds of things, tough as nails. Until he comes out there to announce he's going to retire, and then he cries like a baby. It's weird. Most men struggle with this thing called tears. But you know this book is wet with tears? Amen. It is wet with tears. Esau wept when he realized Jacob stole the blessing from him. But him and Jacob wept together after they had been estranged for many years when they reconciled one day. Jacob wept when his boys brought a coat of many colors that had blood they had dipped in it and tried to fool their father and said, must have, his father come to the conclusion he was eaten by a wild animal, Joseph. He wept. Joseph and his brothers many years later wept when they were reconciled and Joseph introduced himself back to them. They were crying so loud the whole palace could hear it. Hannah wept because she couldn't have children. Samuel wept because King Saul, the one he had anointed, had failed. Peter wept after he denied the Lord three times. Judas wept after he betrayed the Lord, but then he went out and hung himself. John wept when he looked into heaven, and nobody was able to open up that scroll with the seven seals. The nations of the earth will weep when Babylon the Great, that great commercial center that everybody did business with, is gone in an hour. The Jews will weep when they see their Messiah come back. Amen. Weeping is a big part of life. Laughter is a big part of life. 
I'll say this about tears. It's a language God understands. And I like the old Dottie Rambo song, Tears Will Never Stain the Streets of That City. Why do we cry? Why do we laugh? I challenge you to look this up. Look up the life of Jesus and point out and tell me any scriptures where he was laughing. Now, I believe he laughed. No reason I believe it because the children love to flock to him. And I don't believe Jesus ever laughed. Somebody fell down. <laughs> I don't believe Jesus said, did you hear one about the farmer's daughter? Uh, did you? <laughs> Let me tell you, this, that's a good one. I don't know. I know he had joy and he was full of joy. There is a time for weeping. There's a time for laughing. And I'll tell you what, there's a time not to laugh. We, when we were singing, this is 35, 40 years ago, we were singing at a revival in Gainesville, I believe it was. I think it was a Baptist church, I'm not sure. Uh, preacher, the evangelist asked us to get up there and sing an invitational song after we'd sang some during the service. I want you all to come up there and sing this chorus or this song while I give an invitation to people. So we did. He invited us up there. We'd get up there on the stage, up there ready to sing. Mama goes to the piano to play. But the pianist of the Baptist church was on the seat and wasn't getting up. So mama comes over and stands with us as part of the singing group. And we got, and we got tickled. You ever tried to give an invitation while you're laughing? It doesn't work. We're trying to sing a song, trying to think of every mean, bad thing we can think of and just can't, can't do it. They didn't invite us back. Anyway, uh, there's a time not to laugh. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance, he says in verse 4. Now, why does he mention that? He just got through talking about laughing and weeping. Now he's talking about mourning. Mourning is probably talking about grieving. That's part of life. Grieving. Some of you are grieving. Some have grieved for, and we've had death that invaded our church over the last three or four years, and especially. Uh, and some are still grieving. It may go for weeks, may go for months, may go for years. I don't know, but that's part of life. Dancing. Dancing's always been a sign of joy and excitement and celebration. All nations dance. Now, the dancing we do in our country now is just downright vulgar. But dancing was always a big thing. Uh, Psalm 30, 11 says, You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. Psalm 150, verse 4 says, Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. It's a demonstration of worship. You dance before the Lord. David danced before the Lord when the Ark of the Covenant came back into Jerusalem after it had been captured. And his wife didn't think much of it. But dancing, mourning, that's a part of life. Celebrating is also grieving. Cast away stones and gathering stones. Two different things. Now that culture over there and that society had a lot of stones. They had rocks everywhere. And you have to cast away stones. You have to pick them up and throw them out of the field if you're going to plant something. You can't hardly grow anything in the midst of all these rocks. You can't plow. And sometimes you have to gather stones. You have to get stones and gather them if you're going to build a wall or something. You've got to gather them. Sometimes you're throwing them away. Sometimes you're using them. And that's what life is. He said sometimes life, you're picking up stuff uh, to use. Sometimes you're casting away things that, that are a hindrance to you. Next thing, embrace and refrain from embracing. You know, over there in that culture in Bible days, when they, when they saw somebody, when they embraced, they hugged, they kissed, and it was a great embracement. 
There was also times when they didn't embrace each other, when sometimes you're saying goodbye or you're saying goodbye to someone or something. One old boy, one preacher, his daughter was 14 years old and she was going out on her first date. Well, it wasn't a date like just two. It was a kind of a church group, but she was going out with a boy that she liked and her mother was excited and, and uh, she was just so excited for her daughter and, and she said, uh, I hope y'all have a good time and everything. And Daddy said, let me remind you, Ecclesiastes 4, 5. There's a time to embrace and there's a time not to embrace. This is the time not to be embracing. Uh, so that, this is the dating scripture right there. The next scripture, uh, verse 6, is a time to gain, there's a time to lose. That could be talking about, somebody said that's the Wall Street verse. Uh, we all know what it's like to gain money and to lose money. And that's part of life also. Gain weight, lose weight. <laughs> it's easier to gain than it is to lose. I heard one old boy, he'd been through these yo-yo diets so, so long, he finally told a friend, he said, I finally got on a diet. I'm, gonna, I'm tired of losing my weight quickly and putting it all back on. So I'm just cutting it down a little at a time. He said, okay, what are you doing? He said, what did you have for breakfast today? He said, well, I had 12 donuts. He said, you're cutting back? He said, yeah, I left off the sprinkles. So a lot of times you just got to take small steps uh, to lose things. One old boy said, uh, my favorite exercise is chewing. So a lot of times we're wanting to do things to lose. And uh, losing, you know, we live in a culture where people don't want to talk about losing anymore. That's part of life. Amen. We want everybody to get a trophy. We want everybody to win. You can learn a lot by losing. You're supposed to. That's part of life. Uh, you, you can learn you need to try harder. You need to practice more. Uh, you can learn to be a good sport and congratulate the other person that was better. You can learn to hang on to things. When you lose something, you learn, boy, I should have hung on that a little tighter. Losing can teach us a lot of things. So life is all about gaining and losing. Then he says it's about keeping and throwing away in verse 6. Somebody said this is the garage sale verse. Uh, what to keep and what to throw away. We need to know that. If you, uh, you need to learn what's important to hold on to and what you need to turn loose. Some people need to turn loose of people. There's some people you need to cut loose. There's some you need to hold very tight to. And that's all about life. I saw a Peanuts cartoon, old Charlie Brown. You know they never won a game or nothing, but uh, they're fixing to win the first game, and Lucy's out in the outfield, and they hit a pop-up to her. If she catches that, they're going to win their first game. And she got up under it, and she was ready for it, and it fell right behind her. And the other team had two or three guys come across and won the game. She was dejected. She said this uh, to Charlie. She said, my body doesn't want to do what my brain tells it to do. And Charlie said, who can understand that? He said, my body and brain haven't spoken to each other in years. <laughs> there's a time to rend, and there's a time to sow. Now, there's a time to tear things up. There's a time to put things back together, repair, restore. The old nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Couldn't be restored. Aren't you glad we got a God that can restore, that can reconcile, 
that can mend, that can put together families, relationships, homes, bodies, broken hearts. He can restore things. The best part of life, rending and sowing. Here's the, th- here's the next one. This is a big one. There's a time to keep silent and a time to speak up. Now, these are very difficult for most of us. We talked about it a little bit in Sunday school today. James said, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Most of us get in trouble because we, our tongue, you can sin more with your tongue than any other way. It's so easy, so easy uh, to let that tongue get away if it's not bridled and so forth. So we need, most of the time, we need to learn to keep our mouth shut. That gets us into trouble. But I'm here to tell you this, church. We need to start speaking up today. Uh, I, I just sat down and started writing some things, and I know this isn't politically correct, but if we don't speak up, we won't have a chance to speak up much longer. I'm gonna, I just wrote these down. Uh, it's time to speak up. I'm tired of a government that's forgotten that they work for us and we don't work for them. I'm tired of the Federal Reserve printing money, causing inflation, destroying the dollar, and slowly eliminating the middle class. I'm tired of us protecting other countries' borders and leaving ours wide open. I'm tired of Hollywood lecturing us on morality and Christians are afraid to say anything because they don't want to offend anybody. I'm tired of critical race theory and woke culture being taught in school and you can't teach why this country is the greatest country ever been on this earth. I'm tired of liberal media and social media spewing out garbage and silencing the conservative viewpoint. I'm tired of corrupt justice systems that punish silly misdemeanors and let blatant crimes go unpunished. I'm tired of politicians promising to unite the country and every day they look for ways to divide the country. I'm tired of elected officials creating laws that apply to everybody but them. I'm tired of people thinking that they are God and they can determine what sex they belong to. I'm tired of representatives that are supposed to be servants of the people that when they get out their multi-millionaires, they've served themselves at the expense of the people. I could give you a long list of things I'm tired of. We need to speak up. We need to say what the Word of God says. We need to not be ashamed or we will slowly not have a voice anymore as the people of God. Next, love and hate. There's a time to love and a time to hate. Some people say, well, that doesn't make sense because Christians, it's all love. Love, 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 love. No, it's about hate too. If you read your Bible, Amos 5.15 says, hate evil and love good. Psalm 97.10 says, you who love the Lord hate evil. God hates things. God said, I hate divorce. God said to the church at Ephesus in Revelation, I hate the teaching and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. You cannot love the truth if you don't hate error and heresy. You can't, we're supposed to love the sinner, but hate the sin. That's just the way it is. Final thing, war, there's a time for war and a time for peace. Any ever, anybody here ever read the book War and Peace? Brother Westbrook, 
It's over 1,200 pages. I'll probably read it this afternoon when I get home. Uh, no, uh, somebody, I don't know if it was in this book or so the last 3,400 years of history, there's only been 268 years when there was not a war somewhere on this earth going on. We've had a lot more wars than we've had peace between nations. But he's given us a description of life. It's just good, bad, positive, negative. That's all, that's life. Under the sun, though, here's the difference. God is at work in our pain, in our suffering, in our turmoil, our embarrassment, all the different negatives, our God's working. It says in verse 11, he makes everything beautiful in his own time. So we're talking about the days of our lives. Don't leave God out. Think about this. He's the one that said he still works all things out for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. So even though you go through the difficult thing, and I'm not one that says Christians don't have to go through difficult things. We're spoiled over here in many ways. But that doesn't call we're Christian doesn't mean we don't face every one of them things. But it just means God says, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to be using those bad ones, the negatives, as well as the good ones. I'm going to be training you, shaping you, molding you. Joseph told his brothers, they took about 13, 14 years out of his life. At the end of it, he said this, you meant it for evil. My God meant it for good. God was working even in your evil hearts what you did to me. God was doing it. He brought me to this place so I could spare my own family and, and people's lives. Mary and Martha loved Jesus. Jesus loved them and their brother Lazarus. Martha sent for Jesus. Jesus hung around, came there four days later. Martha saw him coming. You weren't here on time. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He said, your brother will live. She said, I know he'll live. And the resurrection of the just. He said, no, I am the resurrection. God's there in our death and our sorrow moments. He can intervene. How about, how about, uh, Come time they didn't have money to pay taxes. Sometimes he's working in your financial problems when you're losing. They said, you need money to pay taxes. He said, Peter, go over and catch that fish. There's some money in its mouth. He'll be just, be just enough to pay. God's at work in everything in our life. That's what makes life beautiful for a child of God. Doesn't make it easy, but it makes it beautiful. Uh, he says in verse 11b, the very last part of verse 11, it says this. I'll read the whole thing. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart, eternity in their hearts, what some scriptures say, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. You cannot understand how beautiful this life is if you don't look at it from an eternal perspective. You've got to look at it above the sun, not under the sun. You've got to look at it eternal. Let me tell you this. If there's not eternal justice, people like Mao and Stalin and Hitler, and you can go on and on, that's killed millions of people. They got off with nothing. But they didn't because there's an eternity and there's an eternal justice. Uh, you can look at it and say, well, I, I've had nothing but one painful life down here. 
Hey, but if you're a child of God, eye has not seen, ear hasn't heard all that God's prepared for them that love him. This is just the vapor in time. Our big, our big moment's still to come. You've got to look at things from an eternal perspective. Let me just lead you with a little silly illustration. Family went on a vacation. They borrowed a friend's house that had a house on the beach. Friend's going to be gone for a week. Said, you're y'all welcome to stay at our house. And so they went to stay at his house. He, had a, he said, all I want you to do, I've got a goldfish in there. Please feed my goldfish. He said, okay, we can do that. Well, they were enjoying the beat. They were going laid out in the sun, playing in the surf, having a great time. And one young boy said, you know, it's a shame that goldfish doesn't get to, it just stays in that little bowl, doesn't get to go out with us. So one day he wrapped him up in a napkin and took him down to the beach. <laughs> and, he, and he made a little puddle there with the salt water and put him in there and let him splash around in there. After that, he wanted to lay out and get some sun, so he took him, put him on a paper towel, let the little goldfish lay out in the sun, enjoy life the way he was enjoying it. Of course, we know how that story ended. It's kind of silly, but the basic message is this. He's trying to, that life was not made to be lived like that for that goldfish. Our life is not made to be lived without God. And when God's a part of our life, all the pluses and minuses, the good, the bad, and the ugly, he's there with us in the middle of it. And that makes life very beautiful if you see it from the proper perspective. Look at verse 12 and 13 and we'll close. I know that there's no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor, It's the gift of God. Life is a gift of God. Would you stand with me? Would you make your way down front? We're going to close out together. I want you to come down here. According to statistics, and it always seems to prove out, between now and the end of the year, I'll do some more funerals. Some people's time in here will run out. It might be my time. Somebody's time's going to run out. Their life will be over. And that's just part of it. There'll be tears between now and the end of the year. There'll be times to dance and rejoice. That's just a part of our life. We're going to gain some things. We're going to lose some things. Hopefully we'll learn some things. You remember the little poem or the little song said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Solomon said, I'm going to teach you about God's time and timing in this life. Church, two things we want to do. First of all, we want to thank God for the life he's given us. Don't ever take it for granted. There's so many people around this world that would give anything to have the life that we've had. Don't ever minimize and grumble and gripe to the point where you think you've had it worse than anybody else. You haven't. And then thank him for whatever life we've got left and dedicate ourselves to use it for Jesus and bring glory to his name. Would you raise your hands and and let's thank him right now. Heavenly Father, we lift up praise to you. You've brought us from a long way. We've had a chance to hear the gospel. We've had a chance to be loved. We've had a chance, Lord, to 
to know where we are today. You've brought us to this point here today for such a time as this. And God, we are so grateful for all the things in our life that made us what we are today. The good, the bad, the, the wounds, the scars. That was all there for a reason. And you worked through all of it. God, may we never take you or this life for granted. It's so brief. It's just a whisper. It's just a vapor. And then it's gone. And God, may we dedicate ourselves afresh and anew the rest of our life, whether it's days, months, years. We know the, the prophecy time clock is ticking, too. Things are winding down. Help us, Lord, make the most of our time and bring glory to your name. Bring souls in the kingdom. Make a difference in somebody's life because Jesus made a difference in our life. May we live life from an eternal perspective. There's more than just this life. This is just a little. Help us see through the lens of eternity and order our steps accordingly. Thank you, God, for this life. Thank you for what life you've given us to come. In Jesus' holy name, amen. 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 God bless you. Anybody needs prayer today, you can stay and we'll pray for you. Brother Chester will be preaching tonight. Come back tonight. God bless you for coming.